Hi, everybody. David Noor back with you for another episode. My co-host, Randy Seidel of the Sales Communities Tech Sales Insights Live. Hello, Randy. Hey, Noor. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Good to see you. We've got a really cool guest with us today. Yeah, very cool. Cool probably doesn't uh, say it. There's probably some better new age term uh, that we could probably use, but totally pumped to have uh, Justin Michael with us. This is our episode number 47, believe it or not. It's crazy. And uh, uh, I first met Justin literally, I don't know, probably three, four weeks ago through Jesse. And um, I'd say where I'm kind of old school, he's new school. If we could ever kind of blend us into the Tony Stark, it'd be probably, (laughs) would be amazing. So uh, I've certainly enjoyed uh, learning a lot from him. So uh, Justin, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, talking tech stack optimization. I I met Randy, it's a best practice, and this book just showed up. It's kind of amazing. Uh, right. Just airdropped, you know, like a warplane shot down and boom, there's the book. And then uh, I, I gave him my book. And so it's just fun. Fellow authors, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, Randy's built some really big uh, go-to-market operations. I'm really excited to crack into it. That's awesome. So, so, Justin, let's start with your uh, background. So, co-founder of HypeCycle. Tell, tell us a little about where you've been, what you've done, and professionally how you've arrived here. Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of HypeCycle. Um, my co-founder, Julia Nimchinsky, started something called Rev Garage, which was like a cold call competition, and I was the MC of that. Prior to getting involved in sort of B2B esports, which is a category we're creating, I guess, um, <laughs> I was in sales for 20 years, and uh, I did work for some well-known companies like Salesforce and LinkedIn and the Empire State Building. Um, I also worked directly for Sean Parker, which was really interesting. Um, But I I ended up working in a handful, even a dozen of of SaaS ventures. And a lot of these folks had raised anywhere from 3 million to, um, you know, 200 million. And I was in charge of sometimes a a division. Like I was a a VP of the West for a company called Cochava. I was a regional vice president for a company called Swerve. These were uh, ad tech companies. And uh, it was really hard in some of these small companies because it was so competitive, you know, five, six, seven players building the same tech, going after the enterprise. And so I developed a, a, a variety of like neuroscience techniques to break through with emails and cold calls. And so um, once I turned 40, I decided to create a consultancy and train reps on this stuff. And that led to uh, the Salesborgs, which is a community for top funnel cracking. And uh, it led to a book, which I got signed with HarperCollins here. Aaron Ross wrote the forward and uh, Mark Robert endorsed it. Also Mary Lou Tyler, Steve Richard. And from there, um, it was the realization actually, uh, Julia brought the idea of go-to-market strategy because what I realized um, uh, from working with her is that I was, I was kind of really long on sales, but I, I wasn't as savvy or sophisticated about marketing. And I knew some RevOps, but gluing it all together, uh, like what, what I learned working from Randy with, uh, with Randy is that the go-to-market strategy is critical. Just being in a silo as a, a seller is, uh, is a myopic view. So I'll, I'll stop with that. I could go forever. No, that's <laughs> awesome. So tell us a little about Hype Cycle. It seems like uh, the esports community, the B2B esports community is taking off in a, in a huge way. What does Hype Cycle do? So I'm glad you're fans of sports. Uh, my father was actually a quarterback in high school. So, you know, I ended up seeing a lot of uh, Wolverines games. I hope that doesn't make anybody's blood boil, but I'm not really into the. I, I'm from California. Forgive me. Go uh, yeah. So um, what, what we're trying to do is go to market cross training, um, cross functional cross training. So if you think about getting skilled on the internet, it's not always that easy. So what, what we do is we have simulations. So someone like Randy would come on and do a simulation of pitching a VC elements of a go-to-market strategy, or there would be, um, you know, CMOs who would come on and do cold calls or sellers are pitching to CMOs. So it's taking, uh, you know, marketers and pinning them against sellers and doing these rev ops drills. And it's a hybrid. I, don't, I just don't think it's ever been done. Uh, again, uh, I got pulled into this from Julia. She, th- she thought of this thing. And uh, I decided to just co-found this company because it's just so, so far out. And we've done two, two of these events now. It's been going on for two months. And incredibly, there's been like, you know, 2,000 people in the Slack community virtually overnight, uh, 26,000 views of the website. I mean, it's been incredibly popular. Um, one of our logos is a fish riding a bicycle. I mean, Randy, you played the game. 
What did you think? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I've, uh, you know, we had this uh, go to market game. So I won the one that had sales. Jesse won the one that had marketing. He uh, beat me in the, in the finals. So kudos to him. But as, it's a, you know, it's, it's been a long time since, you know, you're kind of really put on the spot. You don't, you know, the scenario, what's going on. So uh, I, I definitely enjoyed the challenge and uh, definitely learned a lot. But I think to the point of what you're talking about, the whole, on the, on the hype cycle, just all these kind of newer kind of tips and tricks. So there's a lot of cool new stuff. But then I was just thinking one of the things you touched on is around kind of email, right? So that's been around, you know, forever. Um, what are some of your uh, tips there for email? Yeah, so typically the biggest offender on email is it's way too long. Um, I, I think I was the first person. I'm an, maybe, I'm an, I'm an offender for sure. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I went even crazier. I said, let's make it look like a text message. Let's take the last five text messages you have and let's sequence text messages. And sometimes the marketing team won't allow that, but marketing teams would become more innovative. I'd say, um, you know, as our friend um, Jesse Willett, uh, who competed against you <laughs> and, and is a RevOps ninja, will say is usually the deliverability is the problem. Before you even think of the subject line of the message, is your domain healthy? Your sender score, right? There's a bunch of acronyms around these, these security protocols, but there's things uh, called a DKIM, a DMARC, and an SPF. There's these elements to the actual ability to send. So you may have this awesome campaign, but the SDRs that were there before you were sending bad emails and getting spam foldered a lot. So even if you send, you know, the Sistine Chapel an email, <laughs> it's going to just go straight to spam or the promotions tab. So uh, the, the big catch is you figure out your infrastructure, make sure your domain's healthy before you even uh, break into the email. Uh, I, I could go on and on about that and data and targeting, but that's going to be, I think, two things that are different than your audience is expecting. Let's go to uh, Seidel. Yeah. And then your um, kind of business model is that you will kind of go to companies and then kind of offer up kind of your hype cycle kind of as a service or kind of what do you do or how do you do that? Yeah. Um, so there's there's been a multi-phased approach. Um, phase one is we've been doing these esports go-to-market games. Phase two, sort of like 1A, is we also are a go-to-market agency. So if you tick check out the sites like hypecycle.com. I know it's a little crazy to spell. Uh, yep. And uh, salesborgs.ai. And uh, that's representative of some of the, the types of, of experience, experiences that we can build. Um, you know, I keep referencing my co-founder here, but participatory marketing is a weird word I didn't know. But essentially, um, we've been creating games. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't that an oxymoron participant in marketing? <laughs> I know like normally it's not, but Sorry. gamification as an idea around B2B is, you know, it has been done. There's contests sometimes or a cold call match. There's one-off stuff you'll see, but doing it as an agency, like really focusing on gamifying something is pretty unique. And then, you know, the third thing, um, you know, this is, this is more on the Julia side is, you know, maybe a product. We were kind of in stealth mode on that, but obviously the hard skill takeaways, like Randy, I know you were under a lot of pressure battling Jesse. You had to like study all these RevOps tools, present to Lars, who's had five exits, you know, into True Ventures. And it really felt real. I mean, we had a couple games last time where Scott Lease was uh, doing negotiation and he was being tough on the contestants. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, people are, there's so much pressure in these games. People are taking away uh, memories and experiences, then they're applying the knowledge when they leave. So e-learning. So Seidel, let me ask you, um, you know, some of the other CROs we've had on this session in the past, how would they use hype cycle or what, what are you seeing? Because I, I, I get gamification, I get participatory marketing. How do you see it fitting in their overall strategy? How do you see it making, and I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to ask Justin to jump in and build on that. But where does this fit into a CRO's overarching strategy? Yeah. So Justin's going to know better, but the way I look at it is it's kind of, I'll say, tactical placement of how can they do their steps and processes better. So as an example, we just talk, talked a bunch about the kind of whole email aspect of things. And then you could take a step back and say, okay, just from a tooling perspective, are they really taking advantage? And we've, we've joked, you know, kind of over the, over the past year or so that, you know, the things that, you know, I or my teams would roll and create on our own and then educate the teams, and all this stuff is like automated. So I think it's you're really making sure that 
um, you know, go-to-market organizations, sales marketing, CROs are taking advantage of these of these tools. So I'd say the tactical perspective as well as the tools. Justin? Yeah, build on that, Justin. Yeah, so we did identify um, that revenue operations and uh, the RevOps community is small, but it really does touch on sales tech tools and it becomes the glue that's aligning marketing and sales. So you have the attribution ROI. A lot of what Randy shared in the competition was the C-level viewpoint of getting to the ROI. Okay, I have Marketo, I have things like outreach and then these different systems. What was the customer acquisition cost? What is the lifetime value? What's the retention? What is the headcount of my FTEs? Just like thinking like an executive is very hard uh, last five years to understand. Um, <laughs> What, what the tools were doing that you were spending on. So we, we did RevOps as a theme, but some of the challenges are like, they, they give a scenario. Um, here's a company, it's trying to go from 20 million to 50 million. The inbound leads are drying up. They're starting to hit outbound. What kind of tools, technology, process, and people would you need to accelerate the company? Then like a VC comes in and gives tips of what they see with outbound and they see with tech stack optimization. Then the contestants sharpen their pencils, come back and compete in a presentation of this theoretical, but it's very real world. It's a theory, but it's like Randy saying in his experience, how he's done it. And so the audience really takes away this deeper strategic conversation. And, and so, yeah, the tech stacks have really been a huge part of sponsoring it and, uh, and the scenarios and the games. So in this, in your book, uh, uh, sales wars, do you go into, <laughs> The strategy? Do you go into tactics of how to do this? T tell us a little about what, what could a reader take away from the book? Yeah, so that's a totally a fair nomenclature because I do have a community called Sales Borgs, <laughs> like the Borg in Star Trek, because it's a seller and a cyborg. And our purpose of this community is to help machines be more like humans and humans be more like machines. Because if, if you're uh, spending all your time on the tech, you got to go study strategic sales. You got to go back into Randy's world. Um, uh, we need we need the generations to come together. So the book's called Tech Powered Sales. And actually, I talked to Steve Richard, and he pointed out, he said, you know, there's not a single book that's been published that has a full sequence or a cadence. Like these new automations where you program many emails at once and you figure out how, like when to send them, how to send them, the different subject lines, the whole architecture of designing these automations uh, at the time, it had never been written in a published book. The uh, book is, it's strategic and it's tactical. It analyzes hundreds of tools, but we talk to RevOps leaders across mainly the technology industry, and we ask them for use cases and stories. And uh, it might it's about 270 pages, but the amount of stuff in here, uh, like my goal was to make it like the book Dune, where it's this tight book, but there's insane amount in it. Uh, about a thousand people contribute to it. I, I mean, I spent uh, <laughs> days of hours just getting the legal releases to put this out. So that's awesome. It, it'll be interesting. That's, that's awesome. Great. Randy, let's go to you. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> a couple, there's lots of great content. I agree. <clears throat> but a um, couple uh, areas I'll be touch on. The first one, maybe talk about uh, the chapter four, your value narrative. Yeah, so setting a value narrative is what's really missing, right? Garbage in, garbage out. What you have is the ability to automate and scale messaging, but a lot of times there's no compelling insight or leading with the value. So we get into this thing of personalization at scale. Now, it, it's true. If you say roll tide in a subject line, you, you might get a meeting. Like It's pretty, pretty likely. I work with a bunch of SDRs who are huge football fans, and that subject line to this day works. As, uh, as long as not from all of them. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You have to send it to the right person. But the people, the, these these um, college students who knew football really well, I almost wanted to build a software. That was the one area. But if if you are using um, personalization, by the way, and you're just saying, hey, I love Boston, that's not going to be enough to get Randy to take my call, or take a meeting. I have to understand his business, read the 10K, the 10Q, look for, you know, maybe, you know, get Randy's book. Like if you're listening on this call and you want to meet with Randy, buy his book or write him and tell him how you'd use it, read it, and then ask for time. Then you have an insight. Hey, on page 208, this is a great section here, right? You know, that's that's the kind of thinking that I'm trying to train in the book to say, um, almost hyper-personalization, like relevance, uh, because you can automate stale generic templates all day and, and have, you know, zero results. 
Is that what you were looking for in that question, Randy? Or more totally. I mean, I'm amazed. We both get tons of people reaching out. And I would just say it's just a complete waste to do just generic reach out. And all, again, to, to your point, it takes, you can go on LinkedIn two minutes, just acknowledge you know anything about our backgrounds or where you're from or school or again, the book or sales community or client, you know, anything. And that, you know, I'd say maybe one out of a hundred reach outs does that. And just think how stupid these other 99% of the people are. So violent agreement, what you just said there. Um, and then uh, other, just a follow-up question, but really, really enjoyed the, uh, the, the uh, snippet that was the uh, case study rep on a performance review becomes a top rep. Uh, can you talk about that one? Yeah. So it was, it was uh, really interesting becoming a sales trainer because, you know, I'm an ops person. Like I'm, there's, there's talkers and there's doers and there's actually people who are both, which is really cool, which I think is uh, both of you, actually all three of us now, because we've all been operators of businesses and then we're all in the hook to coach people. And then those, we have to, you know, we have to see those people again and make sure they got the results from the businesses we advise. There's nowhere to hide, right? Um, so I worked with this uh, SDR in one of the famous sales engagement companies and he came to me and uh, he was having trouble setting the meetings. And, uh, you know, we worked a lot on the sequence designs and a lot of what was going on in this book. And within a, a few months, he won the ladder and he was in Las Vegas. Um, it was actually adding in old school phone components to digital sequences. There are some famous sequences. Uh, when I say this, I mean like um, touch patterns, like pre-formatted automations and how to do it. There's a really good famous one called the Agoji after the Spartans. Uh, this guy, uh, Sam Nelson at Outreach came up with it. It's in the book. It's very powerful. What I've started to do in this book is combine old school and new school tactics. And I have to give a shout out to the uh, co-author, Tony Hughes, if you're not following him in a book called Combo Prospecting. But Tony's a mentor of mine down in Sydney and I want to make sure he's getting credit too. Oh, awesome. I, uh, I actually opened up the EMC office in Sydney in uh, I think it was eight, eight, 87. So uh, great, great spot for sure. And then uh, just thinking now, maybe we'll, we'll shift over uh, a little bit more on some of the tools. And I should mention uh, Outreach is our sponsor today. And uh, Outreach is a leading sales engagement platform used by 19 of the 25 fastest growing public SaaS companies and count Salesforce, Microsoft, SAP as investors. And I know a boatload of uh, my advisory board are also customers. So um, since they're a sponsor, maybe you can uh, you know, share some thoughts on them and maybe some other kind of sales tech stack tools that you uh, uh, like. Yeah, so I, I attempt to be vendor neutral, but I obviously have a lot of tools that I've used and I just try to help the clients um, get in, look at vendors. When it comes to outreach, my own story with outreach is that um, I was a VP of operations for a company called Outbound Works in 2017, where we brought in 100 SaaS startups at once. And uh, we were using, you know, tens and tens and tens of instances of outreach.io. I feel like early in the market and we were, you know, tricking that system out, like using all the custom fields and injecting personalization. We were pushing it to the limit. So it's heavily featured in the book. Um, a shout out to friends over there. Uh, they've always been so gracious and supportive uh, right up to the CEO, uh, Manny Medina, and also Mary Shea, the analyst from Forrester, Mark Casaglo. Uh, Max Altschuler and uh, Scott Barker. So great relationship with them. And, and honestly, like I, I believe in the category. The biggest thing I'm pushing now is for uh, C-levels and reps to use automations because a lot of times this tech is seen as, oh, it's just for the SDRs. It's just demand gen. It's high volume spray and pray. What we talk about in the book is doing enterprise campaigns automatedly because as a, if you get to be a top rep, your mid funnel and down funnel gets so crazy with the RFPs and the proposals and the ROI calcs. You don't have, and you're on the road and you're Atlanta and you have 30 minutes to prospect, you know, you got to pick up the phone, you got to do it. But sometimes if you can set an automation that is running while you're in the air, that's running while you're in the board meeting, you, you can build quality automations that are enterprise grade and small batch. And so that's, yeah, Justin, that's let's in the show. Let's build on, um, uh, and Jesse's got several great questions that we'll, we'll get to in a second. But one of them that I, that I appreciate is a lot of CROs. R Randy and I have been at this for a while, and, and uh, I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily call us low-tech IQ, but... That's safe. You're right. So it may, not, it may not be, we may think more strategically, we might think more old-school kind of build on nurture relationships one-on-one, -on -one and... A lot of what you and Jesse are passionate about is the technology, are the tools, are the automation. 
how do you sell this? How do you position this intelligently with an old school leader who says, I'm going to build this sales team and this organization kind of with, with what I understand, with, with what I'm comfortable with. I'm not discounting technology. I'm trying to find out how do you do that? How do you help an old school? And Jesse, Randy, Jesse's calling us boomers, right? So <laughs> I'm X, by the way. For the record, I'm X. But how do you help us old boomers kind of embrace this kind of tech-enabled sales environment? It's such a great question. You know, I think the bridge that's been created, even with events like this, and Randy was really gracious to be a contestant. Now, obviously, Randy can be the coach also, but we got to hear the thought process around, um, excuse me, like cynicism about the tech. Or here's why, as a C-level, he wants to buy the tech because of this metric or this other thing we hadn't seen. So I think it's really about getting RevOps leaders across generations to have the conversation about sales and marketing alignment and to understand what the tools are doing. Because if I can get Randy aligned on his KPI and his goal, he'll spend a hundred thousand, right? In the hypothetical C-level, he's not gonna put a hundred thousand in something that has no return. But if there's a three X return or five X return or someone he knows at a different company has this case study. Um, so, you know, Lars, it's interesting. He was the, uh, the end game coach, like the VC round. Um, Lars has something called account-based sales development. He basically says that high growth companies are spending a thousand dollars per rep per month on tech stacks. Now that could go up to 2000. I encourage C-level executives to think about four dimensions. One, um, you need to hire more experienced people at the top of the funnel or train them really well, like focus on the caliber of top funnel. Um, number two, trick them out with the tech stacks, invest in those stacks. Number three, get training on the stacks. And number four, get strategic sales training. That's a ton of money. And you're thinking, gosh, that's way too much. But even if you had less headcount, but had that higher quality approach, then when you're approaching the Randy Saddles of the world or the David Nerds of the world, you have just, you, you could shred your competitors because you have a very high quality approach. And so that's in the enterprises I've been working with. Um, you know, I just worked with a, a company that raised such a big round. If I told you how much money it is, uh, you'd know who it is. The first thing they started doing is uh, empowering their teams with tech stacks and, you know, intent data. And, and you know, that's the edge. So, Randy, what I'm hearing is this isn't replacing what you and I have done over the years. It's really kind of amplifying it. It's augmenting it. It's making it a more intelligent approach to 20, you know, 2021 and beyond selling, enterprise selling. Yeah. I mean, I, I call it cheating, right? Because, I mean, what you what used to take like a month to do, now you can get done in like half a day. I mean, it's really just not fair, Right. I mean, it's crazy. All this, it's, it's insane. And maybe, to, you know, obviously we, we touch on uh, the outreach side, but maybe, you know, some other, other category around the uh, revenue intelligence, some of the uh, maybe enablement, rev ops, you know, maybe some of these other, other categories and examples that you'd have of, you know, some of these tools that really just kind of turbo boost the hell out of the sales process. It's, it's a great point. So, the first book that I was involved with is combo prospecting and it was up the middle. Like you got a phone and a pen and a pad and an email. Well, what was weird in the last five years, um, first of all, no one I ever worked for ever let me be a coach. It was always a player coach because they always had to put a number on me because they wanted me to prospect because it was my forte. So I, I kind of took it as a nice thing in the book. I talk about the essential stack. If you're a technology rep right now, and there's about 7 million per outreaches, press release, actually, you don't make you don't call an email. What you do is you sit in sales navigator. So you're sitting in an enterprise version of LinkedIn for targeting. Then because LinkedIn doesn't want to give away the emails and phone numbers, you've got to have something like zoom info or lead IQ. So you can get the phone numbers and emails. So that's number two in the stack. So you've got a social media thing. You've got a data thing. Well then uh, as Randy points out, your boss has to be able to hear you to coach you because you're not in the same office. So you need something like gong or chorus or exec vision. Um, Oh, now we need to automate these emails. I mean, should I sit here and hunt and peck and do 50 emails a day? I mean, I've got a great email. Uh, you know, I've got 20 Randy Seidel's. They're all similar. I've got good messaging. I need automation. That's where we get to outreaches and, you know, um, the other sales engagement players. Out of respect to the sponsor, I'll just uh, name them. But there's many right. in the category. And then going further, 
it can get really crazy. Like you could put chat bots on the website that just you, your reps can be talking to people hitting the site. You can use intent to try to use algorithms to figure out, okay, where does Randy search? So I'm more likely to prioritize Randy on the targeting. Um, is that the, then, is that the uh, ABM category? It, I think it's within ABM. I, I love this word. So ABM, if you flip account-based marketing to account-based selling, what we're just doing is a named account model instead of a territory model. And now here's the best twist. How do you automate the phone? There's this new category called parallel assisted dialer. It is not a dialer. It's not dialing the phone faster or doing the area codes. What it is doing is dialing four phones at a time, 10 lines at a time. And there's a, a couple companies connect and sell leads that market. Um, there's some other players too. They, they've been kind enough to just sponsor, um, you know, uh, our communities. So just wanted to shout out. That's right. Totally good to plug and shout out. That's what we're all about. <laughs> so let's full disclosure. <laughs> yeah, stand, stand up for a second. So parallel assisted dials. So four phones, 10 lines, and just what, BDRs just pick them up as, as you well, connect with someone? It sounds so easy and so hard because it took, I feel like it took 15 years to perfect because I was trying to buy this technology when I was 27. I'm 42. And the thing is, it's undetectable to the prospect. Basically, the prospect picks up and then the rep hears a beep. I don't know exactly how it works. It's proprietary, but it's a combination of people and algorithms. They're sitting somewhere else on maybe a different time zone and they hot switch the line. So there's some mechanism that's dialing four or 10 at a time, but what it does to efficiency is pretty insane. So uh, I did an exhibition where I was doing, um, you know, hundred dials per hour. So within two hours, I'd, I'd done like two full-time equivalent days, but here's what's, what's crazy. If I go on a enterprise calling blitz, and call for eight hours, I might get five executive assistants using a parallel assisted dollar in 90 minutes. I'm going to talk to 20 people, get four referrals and two meetings. I did this for 20 consecutive hours. Someone called me out. I mean, 20 days in a row, one hour per day. I got on the dial. I was going to say, uh, you know, and not like Charles Lindbergh. And I generated $1.2 million in pipeline for a company called cloud task where I sat on the board. I can't tell you how much of that closed, but it's significant. Uh, even to the point where like a rival trainer is like, ah, oh, your, your metrics are fraudulent. And I'm like, you can see my bank account for the commission check. Like, this is real. You know, like I, I do this stuff because I, I want to prove to people, I'm not just talking about in the book, like it's actually real yep. and I have witnesses. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you, I, I, I've said this uh, before as well. Uh, I, I, my impression is new era, new age leaders like yourself, like Jesse, are a different breed. You're wired this way. You think this way. You've perfected this process for some time. Um, why do you believe RevOps, or, or maybe it's my misperception, why isn't RevOps a more strategic role in companies if they, in fact, can consistently produce the outcomes you just mentioned? Because I'm going to go back to something Seidel said, Forget cheating. This is such an optimized, this is just an efficient path to the end result that that CRO is looking for. You yeah. would think RevOps would be much more of a strategic, much more of a higher profile role. It's true. Um, so I think it was Aragon Research that predicted by 2023, $5 billion in VC will be poured into tech tools. Uh, $2 billion went last year. You can look at some high profile rounds like Gong or um, outreach and, and some of the, the vendors we've mentioned, um, there's been an explosion of SaaS companies. So there's a war for SDR talent. There's about 700,000 SDRs that's gonna go to a million. There's 500 SDR tech tool vendors. There's 1,000 sales tech vendors, but let's go look at marketing technology because marketing technology, there was 230 vendors in 2012. Uh, the LumaScape, which is uh, the Luma partners, there's 7,000 MarTech vendors. The average enterprise has 91 solutions in their stack. And Randy will laugh because he's been in these massive companies and he's like, you know, yeah. procurement's looking at it and there's like 85 tools and five things send email. Like pick one thing. And then the RevOps trying to explain the nuances. We need these five sending things. So the problem is they've been burned before. It's been a cost center and not a cash register until now because the advances in artificial intelligence, machine learning, and natural language processing, and natural language understanding. These Kurzweiling ideas, uh, it was very much fake five to 10 years ago. It was rule-based automation. Now it's real. Now you can literally have a machine listening to our calls, 
crunching the big data, making decisions, benchmarking it, and coming back at you in real time. So there's like a scary amount of compute to pull off like some of this technology uh, in Gong. It's, it's incredible. So yeah, that's the reason. So Randy, it, so it sounds like particularly the last 18 months with the pandemic and now all the BDRs, SDRs, all working from home, automating because that we're not in the same office space. So now automating this so they're as productive and efficient in a highly decentralized model is is got to bring this front and center. This is now not just a nice to have. This seems to be a must have for yeah. every CRO. Yeah, I mean, it's a you know cheating may have been a harsh word, but it's you know it's a full on accelerator and you know true revenue and sales acceleration to the process. And then again, I'm an old school kind of you know leader manager person. It's also great because then you can I love the inspection, right? So you know being able to you know inspect what you expect and you give them the tools. You know something that's come up once in a while is hey, how do you make sure they're adopting it or doing what's going on? And yeah, just as I think I you know I, I said basically you know they're you fire them right so it's you know, you coach you say, hey here's what you have to do here's how you do your job well you know if they're kind of hitting it crushing it okay you know maybe fine but you know this is this is a must have this is not a nice to have right so the company's number one leadership needs to put it in place and then number two it needs to be fully adopted in order to be successful if you don't you're not going to be successful yeah i you'll see in the book see tony is uh, a boomer and I'm, I was born in 1980, so, but I never really got past cultural taste. Past I was a junior in high school then. How about you, Norm? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how this happened, but like I was at Dreamforce, 9 a.m. in the morning. And I, I nearly spit out my coffee. I think 15 feet, Huey Lewis jumped up and started doing, you know, I, I literally, I almost just. Hey, he's a lot older than us, just to be clear. <laughs> I just love you. I love that era, like Back to the Future. Um, that era, yeah. Randy. When did we become an era? <laughs> era, I know. Jeez, it's like you know. I'm aging. The nurse, nursing home. No, no. You, you see, it's uh, what I'm trying to say is that Tony, uh, he ran uh, divisions of Open Text and Sugar CRM for all of APAC. And what he brings to this book, I always joke, is like, you know, I'm the cyborg. He like gives me a heart and a soul and a conscience and an ethics and keeps me from doing the Terminator too. But like. He really comes in here and laces this thing with the Miller Hyman and the Challenger and the Taz and uh, making sure that like I had engineers read this book. I had RevOps leaders like Jesse read it. I even had, um, you know, people read it like for the purpose of punching a hole in it and making sure that C-levels can use it. You know what I mean? So um, I did want to highlight one of the texts actually with Outreach as a sponsor. Everyone should check out this thing called Kaya. It's K-A-I-A. It's like a knowledge assistant uh, AI. Um, and it's doing a lot of what we're talking about. Like it, the future is going to be assistance. It's not going to be, oh, we just get our, you know, necessarily. There are some technologies like Rightbound.io where you can get, um, uh, you can automate sales development. But the assistants are going to be really powerful. You're on a Zoom call. And imagine if something jumped up, not like Clippy and Microsoft, but it jumped up and it's like, hey, talk to David Narr about this book he just released or hey randy just did this post like it could be coaching me it could be reading randy's facial expression and telling me he's a little incredulous warm up your talk you're talking too much justin meter back like it, these things can be like jarvis in iron man right <laughs> so let's let's go to jesse this is a great this is a great question and, Ra and randy and i've talked about this like unfortunately when the numbers don't show up justin you know, the CRO is the first one to get shot, right? You're, you're not delivering the numbers. You and your team are not making enough calls. Jesse's got a great question that, you know, if the average is about 16 and a half, you know, months of tenure. If that. Could, if that, right? If they adopt it out of the gate, right? I just got hired as a CRO by a VC-backed tech startup. If I initially bring in a really intelligent tech stack to automate, streamline, what we do, how we do it. You believe when if, if that's designed and deployed well, it could actually extend my tenure? Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, I mean, making the customer the hero is how we did the deals at um, Salesforce. We even had a channel, Customers for Life. It's a division, uh, CFL. So what would happen is people would install the Salesforce Marketing Cloud um, 
and they'd nail the e-commerce campaigns, their deliverability would go up. They got their average order value fixed. The ROI pays out. It's like a beautiful sale because it worked. And then that person got promoted. So I started to believe that sales is about finding someone who wants to actually work with me on technology that will get them advanced. So if you can be that C-level that is bridging this gap and figuring out uh, a sales machine, there's a guy named Daniel Gray that's profiled in the book who is at uh, Deluxe. And he shares his endoskeleton and it's a multi, you know, hundred thousand dollar deploy of tech. I could find it, but he's early. He's an early adopter. This is a competitive advantage. You know, like uh, think about a Navy SEAL. There's like a million dollars of tech that's on, you know, their armor and, and things like this. It's like warfare. Why wouldn't you want to have the cutting edge stuff? Honestly, I don't, I don't actually disclose uh, who my clients are. Usually it's like an ironclad MNDA. They don't, they don't want other people to work with me. So yeah, that's what I got. Randy, let's go to you. Yeah. So talking about the whole tech stack, things have evolved and merged. You kind of had go back 10, 15 years ago, you had VP of sales, you had VP of marketing. Now you have CMO, CRO. What's your thought on the kind of the future of that CRO role kind of taking over the go to market and how that interplay is? Um, we had Sangram Vajre, the co-founder of Terminus, which is a cool tie because that CEO, Tim Kopp, uh, was a, a VC after being the CMO of Exact Target. Exact Target at $2.5 billion acquired by Salesforce. Um, he says that the top role in the new organization of the technology company will be RevOps, and RevOps will report to the CEO. There's so much tech that's getting purchased that they kind of have to. I would say... Um, a close line into the CFO as well, where I actually see the future of tech stacks with the Cambrian explosion of tech is I believe that the CFOs are going to, you know, slam their fist down and they're going to have to have uh, converge stacks. So there are technologies that have, so one thing you see, you see expansion, right? You look at outreach and how it's building out these features. It's becoming an alpha platform. Um, we already saw this in MarTech. The Salesforce marketing cloud does so many acquisitions. Now it's this, you know, mega cloud. Well, these big clouds like Oracle and Salesforce and IBM and Adobe could start buying up all the sales tech and building these big mega sales clouds. But for now, the lead players in the sales tech market are buying each other. And this is causing you to have a converged stack. So you don't have to buy six solutions. You can buy two. And that makes the CFO happy. Plus you have an integrated data layer and an integrated user interface. Because I have two, two expressions which crack me up. One is AFL, which is another friggin' login. <laughs> and the ah. other thing is FNAC, which is feature, not a company. So <laughs> those are two. I, I usually tell that to C-levels and it releases a lot of pain because they're just, you know, spending a fortune on a feature, right? And then like the process now being a, in RevOps or being a sales leader is like, there's no single sign-on. I have to have 12 windows open and the VA layer and it, it takes me hours just to prep the campaign. That stuff needs to go away. 70% of what a SDR does right now can be automated. And, and, and I think soon will be fully automated. So it doesn't, it doesn't get rid of the SDR. It just means SDRs have to be strategic and be able to have human-to-human -human, um, consultative conversations with the Randys of the world. Seidel, let me, let me go to this again. I appreciate Jesse jumping in. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this as well. Why do we select the youngest generation who virtually hates conflict and cold calls to make cold calls. Is it because it's a really kind of a less expensive resource to do that early on? And if Justin's approach is let's make it more efficient, let's automate it. Do As a CRO, do I need as many BDR, SDRs, or can I leverage some of this technology to do the heavy lifting? Yeah. So I guess, I guess my take is it's a grooming ground. And I, I grew up, you know, we didn't call them SDRs. We call them telemarketers. So I think it's if you want a career in sales, great questions, Jesse. It's really kind of I think it's a necessary evil to kind of cut your teeth, train, develop, learn. And yes, it's a lower cost labor workforce for the companies. So it's kind of a, it's, it's a win win all around. So that's how I would answer it. And then uh, before I turn over to Justin, see his perspective, also want to thank. So, Jesse, thanks for the questions and shout out <clears throat> Ross, Elizabeth, you know, Carl. Uh, th thank you for your uh, comments in here as well. So, uh, Justin, uh, what's your perspective on that question? Yeah, um, oh, man. 
Remind me again. I'm so yeah, sorry. Stack, if I build a tech stack, does that mean I need fewer SDRs? Uh. Um, or do I <laughs> do I instead of bringing them in really green at the at the spring of their careers? Right. Do I do I invest in a little more seasoned kind of as you said, top of the funnel, yeah. a little more seasoned SDRs and really leverage the the automation. And then what does that do to Randy's grooming idea? Yeah. If I want a career yeah. in sales, I got to start yeah. someplace where I'm dialing for dollars, as we used to say. I'm so glad we double clicked on that because this is one of the existential problems of just this whole sales industry, right? Um, if you have the will, you can train the skill. It goes for sports. However, I don't think we want to take juniors in high school and put them into the NBA, unless they're Kobe. <laughs> you know, so the, the problem is if, you have an enterprise market where the prospects are precious and the TAM is narrow. You don't get a lot of bullets in the chamber. And, and to use the analogy is like, we can't be practicing our outbound programs on C-level executives who expect, that's the ambassador of the brand. That first impression is everything. So I've started to see companies that are uh, hiring very seasoned account executives to do top funnel motions um, especially with services businesses, like if you're competing with Deloitte or KPMG, having um, first year SDRs, you know, hit up some of these accounts, it can be done. You can train for it, but you'd have to be so dedicated to the, the training and rotational programs to get them up to speed on the business acumen, the use cases. Uh, it can be done, but it might be more expensive to, to train them if you did it right. What, what's not working is hiring inexperienced people, not giving them the right tech, not training them. And then, you know, uh, it's like Normandy, right? Just sending them into the, <laughs> to the hardest prospects. I, I, you know, I am, um, I, my personal philosophy is hire fewer people and hire great people, create a great culture and have a culture where the top of funnel is respected and it's a lucrative place because if people can open new business for you programmatically, like pay them well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Never lose that person. I worked endlessly because in the first 90 days I could bring in seven figure pipeline. I did it every single time. Talk to anyone in my network. I've, I've done this for uh, dozens of companies. I'm, I'm not even trying to shamelessly promote. I'm just saying it's a, it's a different skill than, than maybe the closer. Yeah, so this is a good uh, comment by uh, Dennis in Australia. A company Wait, hires Denis. Denis. D sorry, my bad. I apologize. Denis. Denis. Yeah, a company Mont hires Mont Montreal. Fifty-five <laughs> and over the prospect. They have acumen and no fear, patience for valuable, trust-based conversations. Yeah, I, I, um, I've always struggled. How, how is that twenty-two-year-old going to hold their own? It's just, a, it's just an unfair fight. Twenty-two-year-old trying to get in with a senior executive or get on their radar or get the company in the door, you haven't figured out where the coffee is yet. So I, I just think that's a uphill battle. I love your comment about Normandy. You just send them in. Let's just, as yeah. many as people just rush the beach. That's happening now because we have a, a shortage of SDRs. So now we have SDRs and it's not even generational. It's just economics. They show up, they get the interview, they get the offer, they shop the offer, they ghost that executive. Now, no generation do that. It's just rude. It's not generational. Now, when I was 27, I worked for a couple that sold the company to Oracle. And my mentor, Eric, there said, how you speak adds 10 years. And so this whole thing of ageism, it's like if someone came out of a good university program and supplied themselves and is willing to put in the work, they can become a subject matter expert quite rapidly, usually in you know 30 to 60 days if they really apply themselves they can do buddy jumps and work with the executives to hear how those calls should sound. There's a lot that they can do to get up to speed. Um, the danger is just not training them and, and, or assuming like, Oh, we're not giving the generation a chance. Let's just give inexperienced people, uh, you know, the phone numbers of the fortune 500 executives and they're going to land it. And it's not just fortune 500. It's any P and L holder. It's um, executives get 250 emails a week. C levels like, <laughs> 200 a day. If you're the CMO of Marriott or Starbucks, I mean, it's an EA screening all of that. So, oh, it, it's, uh, it just, it feels uh, hilarious uh, to be like a sales trainer and RevOps professional who's promoting myself mm -hmm. in the category. But honestly, that's how I was successful. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I hung out with C-levels in my 20s and I learned to technically demo and I ran all facets of the sales cycle. And back in the day, what was cool is, I mean, here's something I always preach. 
Okay. Uh, kid goes to Stanford. It's what? $300,000. Their family saves the whole life since Stanford. He studies applied statistics. <laughs> he or she, they come into the company and they're an SDR. Now I take this, you know, <laughs> applied statistics major and say, I want you to hunt and peck and do, you know, and click a button all day and create a list. Are we wasting the ability of this brilliant, you know, th and that's why I want to redraw the SDRE industrial complex. You know, I want to encourage leaders to find the genius talents of these uh, different generations and like give them a YouTube show, uh, have them take courses on data science and coding in R and Tableau and Looker, give them a data project, like give them something challenging to work on so that they can, uh, you know, put that ingenuity to use. If you haven't had any college like me, and you just want to dive on the phone or, or do something else, you know, it, it's about figuring that out. So I think we have a limitation in the organizational structure too. I don't think the, the role divisions are written correctly to allow for this expansion. Cause if 70% is automatable, what does the sales team in the future look like? That's a great question. Randy, let's go to you. Yeah. So kind of broad, broad topic. We can uh, probably have a few questions about around uh, relationships, which uh, Nora has a PhD in, um, and, and mentoring. I had a, a rep, I'm forgetting her name, from a salt mine yesterday. They called me and said, hey, you know, how do you do your relationships? What's going on? You know, what are some advice? So just a few quick nuggets I'll, I'll share with the, those watching. But is, you know, when you do have a C-level that you do have a relationship with or friendly with, kind of lean into that, you know, especially as a younger SDR, 20-something person, 30-something person, it's okay to say, hey, you know, I'm learning, um, you know, could I mentor with you? Um, I've had done that over the years with, you know, folks that were way, way, way above me. And what you find is people who are in those senior level executive positions got there because they're authentic and they want to learn. So as much as you may think as a SDR that you're going to get from that, you know, CXO person, the CXO is going to learn a lot more probably than what you're going to learn. So it's a good mutual win-win. Um, and Nora, I know you're passionate about mentoring and uh, relationships. What's your take? Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, I uh, every conversation with Jesse and, and particularly this one with Justin, Randy highlights uh, the incredible personalization and customization that this technology can create that makes that first impression that much more impressive. You, you know, we talked about it earlier. If you call me and this happens to all of us, right? You don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about my business. I've written 12 books. You have you don't know anything about those. <laughs> and you'd ask me, what do you do? Or, or worse yet, <laughs> let me tell you what we do. I'm like, okay, hold on. Time out. You, you don't, this isn't hey. a relationship, right? That's right. This is, this is not a relate. This is a monologue. So right. I, I'm excited that this technology and more importantly, I think Justin's mindset can really become an incredible enabler of relationship nurturing. And it can become an incredible enabler of relationship effectiveness from the on-ramp of how well do we understand the people we're reaching out to, how effectively we really customize and personalize that outreach to make sure it lands. And it lands in the brand that we need it to land and not just some, again, 20, God bless them, 20-some-year-old, that's just been thrown in, trained for half a day on a script, and go make 700 calls. I think that's just an exercise in futility. So I, 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 I got to tell you, I was um, uh, cautiously optimistic. And this is not against Justin about this whole approach. The more I learn about it, the more it just makes intelligent sense, particularly in my world of building and nurturing great relationships. Justin, your thoughts on that? Yeah, my, my, my thought, my final thought would be um, just take pride in your craft. Sales is an art form. It's a science. It's neuroscience. It's psychology. You're going to get what you put in. So if you read, you study, you seek coaching. And if you start to leverage technology, you know, be artful about it. Be thoughtful about it. Learn about it. Don't avoid it. And really learn how to use these things. It's, uh, you know, a, a laser can be a weapon or it can etch, you know, the, the, the diamond face of a, you know, of a jewel. Like you, it's, it's all like a lot of people just look at this as an easy button and a way to be lazy. And I, you know, I had a mentor that he would look at my emails. I sent him an email and he would send back, he just bleed this thing red with how he changes the sea level. And I would send him my proposal email and he'd take the time line by line to slash the thing. And then when I would send it, then I did a 600 K deal. And he coached me on it and he would write back and just say, world-class work product. 
Love it. No one's watching you, but you can turn even SDR work even into an art form. Then you've Love elevated it. it. So that's what this book is trying to do is, is give this thing some depth. And um, it's not easy. It's much harder uh, to do something world-class, but that just goes for anything. So Randy, let me give you a final word before I let our audience know we've got some great, great guests coming up on, uh, on our future, future shows. Yeah. So Justin, absolutely classic. I learned every, every time uh, with you and uh, Nor, fantastic. Uh, so, uh, you know, Justin's book, Tech Powered Sales, definitely get it hot off the press. You can see I already have mine marked and I'd be remiss if I didn't say your go-to sales advisor. And uh, there you go, baby. Perfect. And you know, we got to do, we got to figure out how to blend. It's a blending, right? Maybe your uh, uh, Kaya can do a blend for us there. <laughs> uh, anyway, just want to thank uh, Outreach as our sponsor. Again, they're the leading sales engagement platform used by 19 of the 25 fastest growing public SaaS companies. You can see their logo there. Uh, and Salesforce, Microsoft, SAP, and also some uh, you know, smaller companies. Uh, Justin, you've been awesome. Uh, we have next week, Mark Roberge is going to be episode number 48. Uh, that's actually going to be on Monday. We had a uh, technical snafu last week, uh, my fault, but, uh, October 4th is, uh, Mark Roberge. He's awesome. Stage two capital has seen, seen a lot, uh, with CRO at a uh, HubSpot and, uh, we have Sendoso sponsoring that. And then uh, on Wednesday uh, next week, we have got Mike Katoya, who's a CEO of Tech Target, and Steve Nemec, who's a CRO. So I think first time we're doing a CEO CRO combo. Um, so definitely look forward to that. Looking forward to that. So Justin, thanks. Closing words. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, if you'd like to uh, be part of these masterminds, just go to salesborgs.ai. We got a fun community there and uh, obviously supporting the sales community as well. So rising tide lifts all boats. Pay it right. forward. If, if you, I was going to say, if you haven't picked up a copy of this book, get it salescommunity.com slash book. It's in Seidel's, uh, uh, and, and Amazon. And we're Amazon. back on the 19th, by the way, we're back with GTM games three on the 19th. And we've got uh, Mary Shea from outreach on the RevOps uh, battle. And we have, uh, Scott Barker, too, doing a personal branding. So we're ex excited about that. That's awesome. That's it for this week. Thanks, everybody. Remember, every Thanks. Wednesday, noon Eastern, come join us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and check out salescommunity.com. Thanks, Justin. Seidel, Thanks, see ya. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Good, everybody. Good to see you.